Glad to be here. As you can tell, I was here early waiting <laughs> in another room. All right. What did we sing? How firm a foundation. Oh, how firm a foundation. Great is thy faithfulness, O oh God our Father. Ron, you always do a good job. Does anybody need a, uh, a an outline on 2 Timothy 3 1? Okay. So, it's been a month of Sundays, literally. Oh, you did. I'm sorry, Jeff. I thought you were saying, no, I'm good. It was last year. I didn't date it this time, but uh, let me look at this and see if I dated it. Started discipling Franny the 27th of this month in 2015. Oh, wow. I didn't know you were her discipler. Yep. You had your hands full. She's something else. She's a good woman. So, um,. So, uh, in last time we met, I, I was a little emotional, Sharon. I, my, I think you probably figured out since then, my father and the Lord was in the hospital, and we were having last words, so it just hit me when I was talking about this text. So that's why I didn't say a whole lot, because I didn't want to get more emotional, but I'm, I was, I'm okay. It was no... But I really wasn't up for sharing all that at the time, you know. So, okay, so let's uh, get into the text, and we're going to... And by the way, his, his uh, memorial service will be... Saturday at 10 a.m. at uh, Living Faith Lee Summit. <clears throat> um, so, um, I'm kind of torn about that because my ex-wife's sister, her funeral service is going to be next Saturday as well. Oh, yeah. Well, you just got to go to the one God wants you to. I didn't know Ed Hale's funeral was yesterday. So, yeah. Like 97 year old Ed Hale? Yeah. Oh, Jeff, I'm sorry. You did not know. I apologize. Um, I believe, I thought his funeral was supposed to be last Saturday. And then, and Randy told me he thought so too, but it got removed. And so Randy and Julie went to that yesterday after Franny's funeral. Talk about a pillar. Huh? Talk about a pillar. Talk about a pillar. I know. Yeah. Yeah, Ed Hale. And for those of you, I mean, maybe you know Ed because he was here doing the Bible publishing. He was a really elderly gentleman, frail. Uh, Ed Hale was the KCBT. Oh, he's been around. He's like, I think, going back to Truman Dollar era at KCBT. Maybe, I don't know if these Wendell Zimmerman or not, but I mean, he goes back a ways. So, Ed, and forget his wife's name, but uh, she was a sweetheart too. Uh, I almost want to say Helen, but I don't Yeah, I think it would have been Helen. But yeah, she uh, they were the grandparents of... Um, a gentleman I played baseball with in high school named Mike Murdoch. And so they prayed for him earnestly during the Gulf War. Now I'm dating myself. So um, I remember meeting them guys at our church, and it was just a real good connection when I first got saved that, you know, somebody in my sphere of influence, his grandparents was in my church. And it was just, I always had a connection with his with the Hales because of that. And when Ed started showing up here for Bible publishing, I, I just counted it such an honor to have Ed Ed in the house, you know. And uh, I remember taking him out to his car, walking him out there. Is in the last year or so, and just frail as could be. And just I was like, man, when I grow up, I want to be Ed Hale, <laughs> you know. So that guy, 
is something else. So that has nothing to do with our... Well, it kind of does have something to do with our, our, our message tonight. So uh, we will get into this text here of Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. And uh, I started to say it has nothing to do with it, but that's actually not accurate. So Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 3 uh, and verse uh, 1 through 17 this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy without natural affection truce breakers false accusers incontinent fierce despisers of those that are good traitors heady high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of god having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof all right no spirit from such turn away for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambers withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Uh, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, suffering, charity, patience, and this is where we're picking it up, right? So Timothy has this example. Persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch, at, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and, and uh, seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly, uh, may be perfect, I'm sorry, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage, uh, this familiar passage. And, and uh, Lord, when we read it in its context, we're reminded of your victory. We're reminded of the importance of the words of God. And we're also reminded of the importance of relationships uh, and discipleship. As Timothy is receiving these instructions from his father and the Lord Paul and uh, is left to stand in the gap at Ephesus as the pastor there. And Heavenly Father, we pray, God, that you would uh, just bless the reading the hearing of your word and that you would be glorified in all these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we talked about, my title has been uh, times like these, right? Uh, corrupt men versus complete men. And uh, we've talked about discerning the danger, uh, how corrupt men accompany perilous times. Faithful men should know this also. We talked about defining the last days, discerning the DNA of corrupt men. Uh, the book of John, Jesus manifests himself as the Son of God. We saw uh, 18, oh, I missed some notes, sorry. Uh, you guys should have a corrupt man accompanying perilous times, so I got that. Uh, we saw that uh, there's 18 attributes of corrupt men in the last days, and I covered those 6, 6, and 6. The first six were corrupt man submits to no one but himself. They're covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. The second series of six is, is a corrupt man loves no one but himself. He's unholy without natural affection. He's a truce breaker, false accuser, incontinent. And the sixth, uh, last of the series of six, uh, the third one is a corrupt man exalts no one but himself. He's fierce, he despises those who are good, uh, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. 
And uh, this is the spirit you are bound to if you're lost, but this is also the spirit you're freed from if you're saved. So hallelujah, everyone here who professes Christ as Savior. So we're free from all of that, and such were some of you, right? So now we're free from all that, and that gets us to number three. What do we need to do? Verses 5 through 9. Here's our instruction tonight. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 5 through 9. He says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Here's our instructions. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambers withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs uh, also was." And so you have the example. He brings up Moses and, and Aaron, and he says, turn away from these fellows, right? So distance yourself from the devil with a small d. Um, and point A in their notes here, distance yourself from deceitful men's perversion. And so we see this uh, very clear. So go back in your Bibles and turn tonight to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. And uh, we're going to look at that text together. <clears throat> Matthew 16 and verse 23. Somebody want to read that? Matthew 16, 23? 16, 23. Yeah. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but of those that be of men. Amen. So, uh, so this is an interesting story. Now, I, we didn't read all of the context there, but you, you know that in uh, verse three, you know, it says, "From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem, very specific, right, and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and raised again the third day." Um, and so. Here he's telling the disciples exactly what's going to happen. And so it is interesting to consider Matthew uh, chapter 16, 21 in light of the response that all the disciples had at the reality of all of that happening. And it makes, you, it makes me question you know, my faithfulness at times as well. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. So this is why Jesus turned, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, uh, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Right, And he goes into the text that, that uh, he just read. And so um, and so the point here is distance yourself from deceitful men's perversion. Now, Peter obviously was a disciple, not a deceitful man. But the rebuke of Peter is recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke. Uh, and there's three witnesses of the way that you can apply Second uh, Timothy 3.9. And so, uh, when you look at this and you read it, uh, you know, starting all the way back here in verse 18, let's just just back up a little bit. It says, "And I say unto thee, um, this God showed me this in a devotional time one morning. I was years ago. Notice what it says. And I say unto thee, Peter, that thou art. This is one of my favorite verses. I just want you to see how quick this turns." Uh, well, let's back up to verse 13. When Jesus came in into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, others say Jeremiah, <clears throat> or one of the prophets. 
And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Now notice who answers. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right? You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You, you're, you're God manifest in the flesh. I mean, we know who you are. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So we can see very clearly here that he's having a context, a conversation. We can see in the context he's having a conversation with Peter face to face, right? They're having this exchange. I doubt that Jesus was saying, Blessed art thou, Bob, for thou, you know, I think he's probably looking at his disciples, right? And so, uh, and, and then he goes on and says, you know, I love this passage, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I, was, I, I really remember that. I was rebuked uh, several years ago because of my undying and unwavering faith that Jesus will build his church. And, uh, and I don't say that because I ignore things that go on in the church, but there are times when I'm so desperate to believe God's faithfulness that that's all I have. <laughs> So, you know, that's all I can tell somebody is, you know what, I, I don't know what to tell you. Jesus is going to build his church and the gates of hell is not going to prevail against it. You know, uh, maybe things aren't going the way you like or the way I even I like. But I do believe in God's uh, God's ministry. It's God's church. And so uh, Peter is not the, is not the rock, uh, but he is a pet, he's a little rock, right? A little piece of the rock. And uh, God did use him, right? He was the he was the initial pastor there uh, in Jerusalem, and then um, and then later on, uh, of course, God uh, used him in other locations. But he's going to build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The one building it is not Peter; it's Jesus. And so the Catholics twist this verse, and the Baptists run from it. But we shouldn't run from it because it's clear in context. Jesus is the one building his church. His church being his, he's the primary possessor of the church. It's it's not ours. Peter didn't purchase the church with his blood jesus did so there's nothing to be afraid of here jesus is a comforting verse to me um and so he's affirming peter because peter correctly identifies him and uh, he's blessed by peter and then he says in verse 19 i will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven so you discipleship two students we know the kingdom of heaven is the physical kingdom and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven then he charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples and we covered all that and uh and, and he talks to him about the death the burial the resurrection in verse 22 then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Now let's think about this. So Jesus is... you think that Peter took him and rebuked him uh, without looking at him? You know Peter. Peter got in, as we say today, got in his grill. right? Got right he was right there saying, Jesus, you can't let this happen. Because his concept of what Christ was was obviously not what God's mission was as far as dying on the cross. So he, he missed the part about being cut off and how all that was going to be fulfilled. And so and so he's rebuking Jesus. And at this time, notice what Jesus does. Verse 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Now you, I think, I don't, I mean, I'm sure you could say he turned and looked at him. But I believe that he turned when he turned and put his back and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. And, uh, and, uh, it, uh, and it, uh, it, that was a quite a statement. Quite a statement. It also tells Peter, Peter has one option, isn't it? It's to follow Jesus. 
That's his only option. And, of course, he learns to do that eventually in John 21 and uh, ends up following all the way to his death. And so Peter obviously is and was a faithful man. But what a statement. And it's interesting, and this is totally... Now, let me leave the notes in the Bible. This is just supposition. So this isn't in your Bible. This is just my imagination. So I want to be clear. I want to define this. But what and if, as he turned around, Satan was standing here. (laughs) And he told Satan, get behind me which is you need to fall in line. So it's a rebuke to Peter for sure, but he might also have a, a, a double meaning as he's, he could be speaking literally to Satan. Could have been Judas was standing over here. Anyway, just something to think about. I don't know. I don't know. Those are things I think about. I don't know the answer to all that. But what I do want to bring up about that point is um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was not the unrighteousness that Jesus had the most problems, problem with. It was the self-righteousness. Um, and and so uh, Peter would take and rebuke the Lord and try to direct him away from the will of God. That's where you cross the line. Because Jesus was not suggesting this is what was going to happen. Jesus was letting them know this is what's going to happen. And Peter steps up as though he was going to change God's mind. And that's where the line was drawn. Jesus is like, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. We're going to... Later, too, because he took the sword. Yeah, he did. He took the sword. That's right. Peter Peter had a way of doing that, didn't he? Well, getting back to the context of what we were talking about in, in Second Peter, just that, that's one of those places in the Bible where clearly Jesus is turning. He's turning around and he's he's walking away from something. He says in in Second uh, Timothy three, as we've already read, from such turn away, right? Repent, right? Turn from them. Uh, and so, practically speaking. You know, there's times when we do need to turn our back on on relationships or people that we that are are counseling us against the direct will of God. When do you need to do that? When it's very clear uh, that this is not God's will. Um, so you know, ladies, put distance between uh, you and and bad boys, right? And so, if if a man is contradicting the word of God, like you don't need to go to church to worship Jesus, okay. That's when you say, well, you know what, get behind me, Satan, because <laughs> I'm going to church. You don't need to read your Bible to be close with God. Well, no, yeah, you do. You know, and so, um, you know, those are important things. Relationships are important. You know, uh, nobody loves you, honey, like I do. And so let's break the rules, of, uh, not the rules, the guidelines of the Word of God, and do something illicit. No, that's the wrong woman. That's not who you. That's not who you need to be with, and you need to turn your back on that because that's not godly. And uh, and so, uh, the sense of the word in the Greek is not just to turn uh, from, but to to avoid. So Paul said to make a note of those who cause problems in the church and taught bad doctrine. These are people that are trying to corrupt the purity of the words of God in the church. And there's a point where you just have to draw the line and say no. You you are not you you are not welcome to do that in this place. I'm turning my back on you. Of course, we've actually had a guy recently, kind of like that. He's not in the church, and we've kind of done exactly what we're talking about. But anyway, uh, Romans sixteen seventeen says, "Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which have which ye have learned, and avoid them. Avoid them." Um, likewise, mark those who are walking in the light in fellowship with them. Uh, in Philippians 3.17 says, Brethren, be you followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. So, 
um, if you're in Randy's class this morning, he, he preached about being an example. and gave a really good illustration uh, how an example can be a bad thing. You can have a good or a bad example, but an example is, some, is typically something that you want to emulate, right? It's the end sample. So I'd actually never heard it put that succinctly. I was like, yeah, that's good. I like that. And so um, it's, the, it's the mold, so to speak. And so... Um, it's the mold, yeah. And so, you know, so you can mark people who are like today. And I just I hadn't thought about this till just now, but like this afternoon, I've had conversations and I've been marking people that are in samples. Whether we're talking about Ed Hale or uh, somebody else, we were talking about in the pastor meeting. Um, but uh, anyway, the, the, the Joe Sparks, the Bob Bulkins, uh, you know, so on and so forth. We go down, a, praise God in our church, both men and women, we got a lot of great examples, people that you look at and you're like, man, I want to be like that. Those people love God, they love people, they're doing the great commandment and the great commission. And so so it's kind of the, you want to turn toward those people and turn away. Now, I know this is elementary, but really think about this in the time in which we live. If we apply that to our private life, like if on social media, on a phone, Right, um, stuff comes across, and I do this on my phone. If it's an ad I don't like, I tell them I don't. I'm not interested. Not interested. I turn my back on it. <laughs> you know, same thing with my uh, contacts. When somebody just because somebody wants to follow me, doesn't mean they can follow me. Sometimes I won't follow them if I don't know who they are. I don't know who they're connected to. I just even if it looks good, I don't necessarily follow them, right? And then if somebody, I've had friends on there that I knew like from high school, they start talking too much, saying things that aren't appropriate. I just turn, I just unfollow, right? What am I doing? I'm turning my back on them. <laughs> so I just don't, I don't need that relationship anymore. I don't need that influence. I don't need that. And there's some people I put up with stuff because I love them and I want to have a relationship with them. And but you have the, you have the liberty to have that discernment. But there's sometimes you just don't need those relationships. Certainly, in in life, of course, I'm a pastor now. So it's a little. A lot of times, people don't want to be next to me, but uh, but when before I was a pastor, it, you had to make more of those decisions. Once you <laughs> once you throw your hat in the ring and you go public like a pastor, then there's a lot of people. It's like they don't want to be around you anyway. So it kind of takes care of itself. But uh, but uh, but I know how it is when you're not a pastor, right? So it's a little bit more. You have to be a little bit more intentional about judging those things, you know. And when someone's crossing the lines and consistently wanting to work against the Word of God, there's no sense in maintaining that relationship. You know, there just really isn't. It doesn't mean you don't love them. You can't, you can't be in the world, but you can't be over the world. So I'm not saying everybody, don't be a jerk to everybody. But there are relationships that, especially if they attack the Word of God, there's no sense in, in, in trying to be buddy-buddy with them. And, uh, and take that seriously. Um, so what fellowship hath light with darkness? Second Corinthians chapter 6. I'm talking too much. The Bible says plenty about this. I really don't need to say a lot. The Bible says it for me. Second Corinthians 6.14 Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord, right? What agreement, what contract hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? You didn't know that word was in there, did you? So, uh, so who is the infidel? Um, it's not the Christian, it's it's Islam. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. 
so this touches on our sanctification um, and and our and our relationships, and we always we obviously use verse fourteen a lot in in regard to dating, but really that's that's not the whole that's that's an appropriate use of it. But when you look at the whole context, Paul's talking about the relationships that the Corinthians actually had in regard to contracts, and 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 he's also clear, right? He's not saying you got to come out of the world; you got to do business in the world, but make sure that you uh, you know you're not binding yourself uh, into relationships that are unhealthy healthy and so um, this sort of perverted uh, fellow who have these 18 attributes um, will have no these are how wicked they are just so just think about what Paul said and what we've read tonight in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and think about how wicked these guys are they, this is how wicked they are. They would have no problem crawling through whatsoever or going through whatever door or window that you will leave open. I mean, that's what he's talking about. These people are wicked, um, and they will, they will, they, they're, they're, that's what the, they're, they're creeping around, looking for opportunities to defile God's people. So, just as Satan was a deceptive and deceitful serpent, so too, if you leave a crack for these sort of fellows, they'll slither right in. And it's a match made in hell when this fellow contacts you on uh, Facebook or uh, starts a romance if you're a female or a lady, if you're a guy, and they creep into your house and you give them a window. And I'm not just making this stuff up. I know good people that get deceived and beguiled and, and emotionally get you know taken. They give someone a window in a relationship with all good intention and then they get taken advantage of. And it's not just females. This happens to men as well. And uh, the next thing you know, they realize, oh, they've they've cleaned out my bank accounts. You know, they've taken whatever. You know, and uh, it's all. And then, of course, then they feel foolish, and it's terrible. So, man, don't kid yourself. You know, he or she doesn't love you. They love themselves, and they'll say whatever it takes to get to your heart. Ultimately, to get to your bank account. And so, a lot of the windows that are open today come through this technology. I know too many Christians that have been scammed uh, through. This is the window that it's ironically Windows, you know. So uh, the window that gets open and man, it just it hurts them. So uh, there's a lot of uh, unsavory folks out there that fit those 18 attributes. So just a, a warning. So this sort of perverted fellow who has these 18 at- attributes, um, they have no problem crawling through whatsoever door or window you leave them. So don't leave the door open. It's amazing how the Bible is 2,000 years ahead of technology. And, and it's something that it's a time of, and particularly I would say here too, um, it is interesting how he talks about in verse 6, uh, this, this uh, sword are they that which creep into houses and, ta- and lead captives, silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. It, it appears that some of these fellows are focused on women, right? Um, and and, uh, and so, so, so ladies, just take note, be careful. And stay uh, and stay wise because uh, not everything that glitters is gold. So the Bible was way ahead. So point B: distance yourself from deceitful men's demonic teaching. There's obviously that issue of of the Bible, which is ultimately what we're talking about. In verse seven and eight, they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, now, as Janus and Jambers withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. And so they're learning, and <clears throat> but they never seem to come to the knowledge of the truth. Have you ever met someone like that? Man, they know they even know a lot of Bible, 
uh, I find a lot of times these are book readers, and there's nothing wrong with being a book reader. But I've been amazed that uh, there's always looking for another book, another devotional study, always looking for this. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. That in itself is not a bad thing. But I know folks that are always studying, always learning. But, I mean, when you really look at their life and the way they behave, it's like, wow. Um, they're just they're just not the kind of folks. They, they match up more to those 16 attributes than they do the fruit of the Spirit. And so um, this describes what Daniel prophesied, however, in Daniel 12.4. And I put that verse in there for you. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. So ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth does not just... Uh, it works in a good devotional sense when you just can't, you know, when you put life way ahead of the Bible. Okay, that's just a, a, a more of a church application. But let's just step back and look at what God, the Holy Ghost is saying and what Daniel prophesied in Daniel chapter 12 because we do live in an age of knowledge, right? We also know the warning and the admonition that knowledge puffs up but charity edifies, builds up. And so... And so we really got to be careful. Uh, Daniel was noticeably absent when Nebuchadnezzar initially approached the wise men of Babylon. He didn't fellowship with them because he didn't desire to be like them. He had a different type of wisdom that wasn't necessarily sought after initially. It became it became a commodity once people realized the benefit. But people don't necessarily realize the benefit of the wisdom that you have as a Christian and the words of God. They don't even believe they're true. Right, just like Nebuchadnezzar, right? He was looking for other wisdom from other places. So knowledge is increasing, but truth is decreasing. Uh, not truly. Obviously, you can find it. You can find the whole council. But truth seems in these last days to to be like the pulse that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah ate during Nebuchadnezzar's reign. It's not something that everybody's looking to take in. Right? There's other there's other uh, dainty meats that people would prefer to have ahead of the truth of God's word. So knowledge is like. You know, uh, a beer commercial. Um, uh, it's like the king's meat. It tastes great, but it's less filling, right? It's just, uh, it's just not everything you need. So this results in a famine, a false information, a void of truth. And you guys know Amos eleven eight eleven. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that that I will send a famine uh, of bread, not of bread nor of thirst for water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to east. And they shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. And that day uh, shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst that swear by the sin of Samaria and say, the God, Thy God, O Dan, liveth and the manner of Beersheba liveth. Even they shall fall and never rise up again. And what a, what a sad thing it is uh, when uh, this is a pagan influence in the in the life of God's people, and they're worshiping and they're still going about religion, but they've completely lost their relationship with God because they lost the Word of God. There's a famine of hearing God's words, and so today in the Laodicean church, uh, she says, "I'm rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing." Right, but she's void of the Word of God, and increasingly. Um, you know, this book in particular, the King James Bible, the English Bible, the Pure Bible, is being derided. Everyone knows this is the best English translation of the Bible. Even critical text scholars know that. And yet, to hold fast to the faithful word as you've been taught, you think that you are the crazy person. Unbelievable. These are men, they got reprobate minds. And uh, they're worshiping scholarship, they're worshiping knowledge. Uh, but it's not God's truth. You know, knowledge alone isn't truth. Um, and so, 
anyway, just to, just and what's going to happen is they're going to worship at the wrong idol, and the whole time they're going to think, hey, man, I got it going on, and they're really missing the boat. So the Word of God warns us about knowledge without charity. As I already said, it puffs up. First Corinthians eight. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. And you can't love God without keeping his commandments. So Romans twelve sixteen says, But the same, be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Um, for, your, uh, for your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But I would have you be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. So 1 Corinthians 14.20 says, Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. Right? Departing from evil. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To depart from evil is understanding. And so man up and depart. Turn away from it. Walk away from it. There is no reason to, uh, to uh, envy the, the sinner or desire the company of those that, that hate God. There just is not. We're, we're foolish. Um, and so when I was in the business world, I worked with some pretty gregarious people. Um, and I wanted nothing to do with them. They had lots of energy and lots of people around them. But you know what? I just knew in my soul it was like a dark spot in the Feast of Charity. That was not somebody I needed to fellowship with. They might be popular. They might be fun. They might be funny. But there's a, there's a sense in which everything that can be blasphemed about God was blasphemed. And if they don't take God seriously, they ain't going to take me seriously. So I don't need to, until God opens the door, I'm not going there. You know what I'm saying? you got to be wise in, in how you relate to people. If you know that they have a problem with God and you represent God, then they're going to have a problem with you. So you might, why go there? Uh, why take a dog by the ears? You know, a wise man's going to pass by and go on about their business. And so so follow Jesus' example in Matthew 16:23. And uh, um, I think I already did that. Didn't I say that? No. Okay, we already covered that. But <clears throat> the rebuke of Jesus to Peter, uh, as I've already mentioned, was recorded. And so if it was not the unrighteousness that Jesus... I already said all that, so I don't know what happened here. I got back. I'm in the order. I think I left. Some, I think somehow I left a... I know I'm on track. Am I going crazy? Yeah, follow Jesus' example. All right. Well, we've already covered Matthew sixteen twenty three, where he rebuked Peter. So, uh, and I did. We already talked about distance yourself from the inevitable demise of deceitful men. And point C. That's where we're going to go next week because I'm out of time. So, um, so I'm going to pause right there. All right. I feel like I'm going crazy, but I I don't know. Oh, I did. Yeah. Perversion. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I duplicated it. I was just making a double emphasis. Sorry. I'm confusing myself. They always told me you don't have to be crazy to do this, but it does help. <laughs> that's help for sure alright well I'll stop there I know we don't have a lot left to go but for time's sake I am going to stop because i got enough left to say that, um, and I can go into my next series and move on down the text what, 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 what,
point A. Perversion. Yep. Teaching. Teaching. Yeah, and that's ultimately more what Paul's talking about there. I got a lot of devotional application kind of worked into this, but um, that's good. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for your time. Let's get into the, some prayer pieces. So I, I don't mean to keep you too long. Um, yes. So. Yeah, he did mention that. No, no, there's another surgery. This is not... I didn't talk to Roger about this. I, I'm confusing it. No, 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 I'm confusing it with uh, Glenda's. So, sorry guys, my brain is weak. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Perfect number. It's been a busy weekend, hasn't it? Appreciate everybody that came out and served. I need to turn this recorder off.